This is Max Mether from Sky SQL. Thank you. All right, so I'm here to talk about MariaDB. Uh, before we start, who knows what uh, MariaDB is? All right, who knows what MySQL is? Okay, that's good. That's good. So I wanted to do this, uh, I wanted to make a non technical talk. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to, so it's going to be quite technical. So bear with me. Uh, yeah. So I was asked to do this talk about MariaDB, so my first question was okay, so what is MariaDB? So I thought, actually, it's fairly simple. You take something old and you replace it with something new, like this. And that's a fairly simple story and it looks good. The problem is that it's not really true. So MariaDB is not really a replacement of MySQL. It's actually... Uh, please. <laughs> it's actually a combination, right? So MariaDB is a branch of MySQL. So 98% of everything you find in MariaDB is actually MySQL. Uh, and if anyone wonders who these girls are and why they're here, they're actually the founder's girls. He had this uh, idea of uh, naming his products after his daughters. So that's actually why MySQL is called MySQL, because his first daughter is called uh, Mu. And no one ever says MySQL, but, uh, but the Swedish correct pronunciation would be MySQL. And his next daughter is called Maria, and that's why we have MariaDB as the product. All right, so what is MariaDB? It's a branch of MySQL. It's completely backward compatible, drop-in replacement. Uh, if you're running MySQL right now, you can stop it, put MariaDB binary, restart it, and it will work out of the box. So it's a drop-in replacement. And as I said, well, around 96% of the code is the same. So it's very, very, very close. And basically this talk, I'm going to talk about the differences. So what does MariaDB add to MySQL? Uh, don't. Thanks. Okay. So, MariaDB is complete, fully open source. Uh, all the development is done on Launchpad, so anyone can download the source code. Uh, try adding stuff to the source code, it's all open. But of course, the whole, it's the whole MySQL source code that's been developed for quite a while, so there's a lot of code there. It's all on the GPL, so, uh, well, anyone could add stuff or remove stuff as long as you stick within the GPL. Uh, everything is open source and, well, MariaDB is committed to staying open source. Uh, there, are no, there are no closed source modules as opposed to the vanilla MySQL branch where there are now some closed source modules. And another big thing, the bugs database is open. MySQL traditionally had an open bugs database, so everyone ever submitting a bug, it was put into this open database. Everyone could see the bugs, you could check, if you, if you ran into a bug, you check, is it already submitted and so forth. Uh, unfortunately, that changed recently. Uh, Oracle, uh, who now owns MySQL, they decided not to have all the bugs out in the open. So customers, when they file bugs, they file it to a different system. The old bugs database still exists, however, it's not always maintained. Uh, a lot of bugs are open since five, six years. Nothing has happened five, six years, so no one knows if they're actually doing stuff on them or not. And furthermore, when they do releases in MySQL now, they, they refer to bug fixes, but the bug fixes are from their internal closed bugs database, so you don't actually know what they're talking about. So they don't say, fix internal bug 743, and no one knows what this bug means. And this is actually why uh, there now are certain distributions who are thinking about switching from MySQL to MariaDB because they don't they no longer know what uh, goes on in MySQL. All right, so let's have a brief history here. So MySQL was developed by one guy in the beginning called Monty Vidanius. Um, the first version of MySQL, well, you can't really call it MySQL, but the first thing he developed that would eventually become MySQL was done in 83. It was a database. It was developed in BASIC, um, if anyone still remembers BASIC, uh, in 83, so a long time ago. 
uh, it eventually got ported to C and got a lot of changes. The biggest one being in uh, uh, in the beginning of the 90s, so it, uh, the database, which was then called NetBase or Unireg and stuff, it only had an ISAM interface, right? There was no SQL. You couldn't use SQL on it. You had to use an ISAM interface. And at the time, the company developing the ISAM interface said, well, we're actually going to stop developing this, so your database won't, be, won't work anymore. So they decided to, all right, let's create an SQL interface to the database so that people can access it. And at the same time, the guys, uh, Monty, who had created it, and Dave, David Oxmark, one of his co-workers, they had the idea of, why don't we just, we create the SQL interface and we make it open source. Uh, for them, it was a big decision because they had like three, four customers who were paying them a lot of money and they were scared, well, if you make this open source and free, you know, a lot of potential customers might just use it and not pay us anything. But because they had been using a lot of uh, GNU tools before, so they felt that they've, uh, they've had a lot of benefit from open source. They wanted to make sure that they gave something back. So they decided to release uh, MySQL as open source. And this was done in, in 95. And at the same time, they created a new company called MySQL AB. Uh, at the time, it had two employees, those two guys. Uh, MySQL AB slowly grew, as you know. MySQL happened to be released in a very fortunate time in 95, about the same time the internet was exploding. So LAMP became a, became something very known and very used. Everyone had their own LAMP, LAMP server running with Linux, Apache, MySQL, and PHP or Perl. And the MySQL usage, because it was free, because it was open source, MySQL usage exploded. Uh, the company didn't follow. It very slowly grew because they were only selling, selling support. But eventually they had some more business-oriented people come aboard. Monty being a great developer, he perhaps wasn't the best CEO of a, of a commercial company, so they got another CEO, Morten Mikos, and MySQL started growing quite rapidly. And of course, in 2008, MySQL was acquired by Sun for $1 billion, which is still the most uh, uh, profitable open source acquisition in history. So, if anyone ever says that open source is not profitable, here's a good counterexample. They paid $1 billion for MySQL. Two years later, Oracle paid $4 billion for Sun. So you could argue that MySQL was one-fourth of Sun, which is, of course, not true. But, but you could argue that, because it was two years later. Anyway, uh, the acquisition of Sun, uh, or the acquisition of MySQL by Sun, uh, changed a lot of things. MySQL had always been a small company, two people at the beginning, but even at the acquisition point, there was less than 500. We were a small company. There were, 50 developers, so small company. Sun had around 40,000 employees, so quite a different structure. A lot of processes and stuff that you have in big companies. So a lot of people decided that, well, this is not a place for me, so they left. And the company called Monty Program was founded in late 2008, and it was founded by the same guy who had created MySQL. And he took a lot of core developers with him. And uh, the first purpose of the company was to create, just create add-ons to MySQL. Just make sure that uh, make sure that there's an open source version of MySQL out there. Uh, then, of course, Oracle acquired Sun, and with Sun, MySQL. And the purpose of Monty Program changed a bit. Now they saw a real threat to MySQL and the open sourceness of MySQL. So they said, well. We have to make sure that there's always an open source version. So they created the branch MariaDB. And the first version of MariaDB was launched in February 2010. And well, the latest release was launched a few weeks ago. So who's behind MariaDB? Well, Monty Program, so the company uh, created by the founder of MySQL and the creator of MySQL. So guys who know MySQL really well, he took uh, well, he took the guys he wanted with him. So there's about there's around 30 developers there, uh, and you can say that they are core developers. Uh, there was quite a long time in MySQL where where if the founder went on vacation, pretty much everything stopped because he was the only one who knew everything in MySQL. Later, we hired two or three people who also knew everything, so he could go on vacation, and there was a, there was a, some other guys who could take over. Well. 
all of these two, three people are now in MariaDB. Uh, but it's not only Monty program, there's also a community behind MariaDB. Uh, the, goal of Maria, the goal of MariaDB is to provide a community developed stable and free database. And in order to do this, uh, MariaDB is very open to the community, it takes contributions. Uh, it's developed on Launchpad. And many of uh, MariaDB has captains that, that basically uh, uh, steward the development of, of MariaDB, look at the patches and stuff like that, has to approve everything. And of the MariaDB captains, only 64% are in Monty program. The rest are outside community people. So it's in a large part developed by the community, MariaDB. Uh, they also have an open development model, uh, meaning that uh, when they have new features and stuff, they have uh, open work logs. Every, anyone can look at look at them. Anyone can suggest enhancements. Uh, Monty Program is a distributed company. People work from home all over the place. They have meetings uh, twice a year. They have like company meetings. And uh, in the company meetings, 85% of all their sessions are open to the public. So anyone can actually join them. Uh, customers do join them. Facebook being a good uh, big MySQL user and customer. Every time Monty Program has a company meeting, Facebook is there. They have at least two, three guys just sitting on the sessions and, and make sure that their voice is heard as well in the future development. But anyone could join. Last meeting they had was in Athens. When was that? A few months ago. And there was there were like three, four companies and people there just to make sure that their voice is heard in future development. So it's very open, everything they do. All right, let's take a look at the differences between MariaDB and MySQL. Uh, so first of all, the first version of MariaDB was 5.1. Uh, and this was based on MySQL 5.1. That's easy enough to follow. And basically the version numberings follows exactly MySQL 5.1. So you had MySQL 5.1.30, you would have MariaDB 5.1.30, which was based on MySQL 5.1.30. Very simple. However, they did add quite a few features. Uh, who knows what a storage engine is? One guy. Okay, excellent. Uh, so MySQL has this concept of storage engines, uh, which means that uh, um, for storing the data, so in, in a database, database you could really, if you really simplify it, you could say you have three main pieces. You have an, a parser, parses the queries, you have an optimizer, and you have a storage engine which stores the data and, and retrieves the data. And in MySQL, that storage engine part is modular, so you can choose uh, how you want to store the data, which also has a lot of implications like indexing types, data types, all of that. Is it stored on disk or memory and so forth? So there's an API between the optimizer and the storage engine, and all you have to do is fulfill these functions in the API, and you can create your own storage engine, and many have. In MySQL, uh, uh, the MySQL distribution, there's like five, six different storage engines, but there's a lot of open source storage engines and so forth. So anyone can create their own uh, storage engine. So the first thing they, they did at MariaDB was to include uh, third-party storage engines. Um, again, this is something that Oracle doesn't want to do, mainly because uh, uh, Oracle does dual licensing. so. MySQL is GPL, but they also sell a commercial license for people who want to embed MySQL in their software who don't want to get bound by the GPL. And there's a lot of fun about this stuff, but basically they have two, two types of licenses. And of course, they can't put GPL stuff in the commercial license. So any open source GPL uh, uh, storage engine, Oracle can't touch because they can't sell commercial licenses. So MariaDB introduced a few storage engines, PBXT, a transactional one, which actually the main goodness with this was it has really fast crash recovery. So if you crash a lot, this is a good storage engine. Uh, ExtraDB, who has heard of ExtraDB? No one. All right, who has heard of InnoDB? Okay, quite a few. So InnoDB is the main storage engine in MySQL. It's a transactional storage engine similar to traditional databases like Oracle and Sybase and, and so forth. And ExtraDB is actually very close to InnoDB. It's 
a branch of InnoDB. So it's the InnoDB storage engine with a few enhancements. And again, there's a very complicated story to why this, this, this was about. Uh, InnoDB traditionally was created for, well, it was created in the, in the beginning 90s. So it was, uh, back then there weren't that many uh, multi-core, multi-CPU machines. And it turns out that it didn't perform that well on multi-core and multi-CPU machines. Uh, and when people started having multi-core machines, uh, InnoDB started running into a lot of mutexes and stuff, which didn't scale well. Uh, but a lot of these mutexes were quite easy to overcome. And, and Google, who was using MySQL heavily at the time, they figured this out. They made some patches that fixed this. And they released those patches. Problem being, uh, Again, MySQL couldn't take in the patches because they were released under GPL and we were selling commercial licenses, so we had to recode the whole thing. At, at the time, I was at MySQL. So we couldn't take the Google patches because they were GPL. So another company called Percona took the Google patches and added them to InnoDB and created a patched version of InnoDB called ExoDB. And that's basically what ExoDB is. Eventually, uh, MySQL added these, the same features, not of course the same code, because they can't. They added the same features into InnoDB, so now InnoDB and ExoDB are very close, but at the time, uh, ExoDB was scaled a lot better than InnoDB. Anyways, that's a storage engine, and there are some other storage engines. Uh, yeah, who knows what MyISM is? Two guys. MyISM is uh, uh, the traditional, oops, kind of the old school storage engine in MySQL. Uh, it's very good for storing data in an efficient way. However, it's not transactional, it's not crash safe, it's pretty much bad in, in many senses, except that data is very compact on disk. And back in the days, this was the only storage in MySQL, and it used to be the default, so a lot of customers actually used MyISM without knowing it, because they didn't know that you could choose. So they were saying, well, we use transactions and we crash safe. We're like, actually, you're not. If your system crashes during a write, well, your, your tables will be corrupt. And they were like, really? I was like, yeah. And that's still the case with MyISM. And ARIA is, is basically a, an improved version of MyISM. So it has the same storage. However, it's crash safe. It has a small log. So if the server crashes during an operation, it can actually roll back that operation. MyISM can't. If you're doing an update, changing 100 rows, system crashes, well, your table is somewhere in between. And that's where the table is. There's no way of falling back. With ARIA, you can roll back. Then they added some bug fixes. Uh, one of the things was that MySQL 5, uh, when you wanted to upgrade from MySQL 5.0 to MySQL 5.1, uh, the MySQL development team actually forgot that people might want to upgrade. So you weren't able to upgrade without taking a total, total dump of your data and reinserting all the data. And this was actually just due to a simple bug and MariaDB fixed it. So going from MySQL 5.0 to MariaDB 5.1, you could do it without taking a backup but from MySQL 5.0 to MySQL 5.1, you couldn't. And that was a big seller to many customers back in the days. Please. Uh, then they added microsecond support. Can anyone see this red stuff? No. No. I don't know where to turn on. Uh, basically, my, MySQL traditionally has only uh, second granularity on everything. so. Something takes zero seconds, one second, or two seconds. And, well, you don't get lower than that. In MariaDB, you get to microsecond level. So you can see uh, you can see if your query took, I don't know, 0 0.5 seconds or 0 0.51 seconds instead of having just a zero there or a one. So that's something they added in MariaDB. And this goes both for the slow query log and the process list. So you can see a statement, how long has it been running in microseconds and not only in seconds. Uh, then they added a thread pool, uh, a very basic thread pool, uh, which basically, traditionally in MySQL, every thread, every connection to the, every thread, every connection to the database is a thread. So if you have 100 connections, you have 100 threads, um, plus a few extra threads. And this can be great, but it can also be not so great. For example, if you have a lot of small connections, uh, uh, you have a lot of connections doing small uh, transactions, 
this means you end up have a lot of lot of uh, context switches between uh, between the different threads because well every every connection is a thread and if they do stuff all the time they have to switch between the threads all the time so for these types of scenarios a thread pool makes sense you get less context switching because you queue the stuff uh, you queue all the all the operations into a pool of threads another thing um, another thing that Monty program did was uh, uh, MySQL had a, a an optimizer team that was basically working on the MySQL optimizer. It had uh, uh, four people in it, or five at the end. So five people working on the MySQL optimizer. Uh, well, Monty program hired five of these five, which left how many in Oracle? Zero. So all the guys working on the optimizer were, uh, moved over to Monty program. So they added features to the optimizer. One of the first was this table elimination feature. Uh, which is, to be honest, it's not that great a feature. Um, it's mainly mainly useful if you use uh, uh, machine-created SQL statements. So if you have some kind of uh, middle layer that creates, creates the SQL for you, that's when you might run into this. So basically, if you have this kind of uh, anchor schema, uh, which basically means that you... Uh, you have attributes as, as tables. So if you, instead of having a table with like a person and you have as a column, you have its, his ID, his name, his phone number and, and stuff, you have each attribute will be in its own table. So the birth date will be one table, the whatever name will be one table. Here we have actors and the rating of the actor and another, another table. The idea with this is that it's very, very modular. So you don't you don't do an alter table to add columns. You just add more tables to add columns. So it becomes very modular. All right. If you have this type of schema, normally you would create a view because you don't want to ha have like nine table joins every time you want to see something. So you create a view that uh, uh, for you to access all this, which means you have a view with all the nine tables. And then when you do a simple query on this view, it will have to join in all the nine tables every single time. And that's what happens in standard MySQL. Every time you use this view, even if you're looking at just one column of one of the tables, it will join all nine tables. And that's where this is where table elimination elimination comes into the picture. It actually eliminates the table the tables. The optimizer eliminates the tables from the join algorithm. Again, you are not likely to do this by yourself, but if you use machine-created code, they can actually create these types of schemas for you, and you don't even know it. Yes. That was MariaDB 5.1. Uh, because Oracle was very slow at coming with new versions of, of MySQL and MariaDB, well, you know, they were developers and they were developing new features. So they just decided to create a, a new version of MariaDB called MariaDB 5.2, which is built on MariaDB 5.1, which is built on MySQL 5.1. So it's still based on MySQL 5.1, MariaDB 5.2. Uh, and here they added a few features. One is pluggable, pluggable authentication. So traditionally in MySQL, there's one authentication protocol, and that's built in, and well, that's what you have to use. However, in MariaDB 5.2, you can choose a different authentication <coughs> protocol. You can plug it in, so to say. Uh, there's already a PAM, PAM plugin included, but you can use any type of, of, you can create your own plugin for this, for the authentication. So you don't have to use the MySQL built-in authentication anymore. <coughs> That's one feature. Another very useful feature is user statistics. Uh, in MySQL, there's a lot of statistics, but they're all on the server level. So you see what's going on, on the server, but you have no clue on what's going on for an individual client, individual user, or index or tables. So this is something they added in MariaDB 5.2. So you get statistics per IP. So you see, okay, all connections from this IP address, what have they done? How much memory have they used? How many queries and everything? Same with the specific user account. What has this user account done? Done. And then the last ones are index. So for every single index, you see how many times this index been read and so forth. And same with the tables. This before MariaDB 5.2, this doesn't exist. So if you use MySQL 5.1, you don't have statistics on this level. You have server for the whole server. Uh, then there's something called Sphinx. Does anyone know what Sphinx is? 
Okay, Sphinx is a uh, uh, open source. It's a full text, full text uh, uh, search engine. It's uh, very much used uh, uh, for the for the web. MySQL has something has full text indexing on my ISM tables, but the full text indexing indexes are not very good. I mean, they're better than not, no full text indexing, but if you're talking about high performance websites, it's not good enough. So instead of using the my ISM built-in full text indexing, you can use Sphinx, which is a, a program where you have full text indexing. So you put data in it and it creates indexes on text based on articles or whatnot. And normally you run Sphinx as a separate process and you query it through your code. So you send a request to Sphinx saying, okay, I want to look for this and which articles and it gives you back the key values for the articles that match your search. Well, in MariaDB, you can do the same, except that you can do it from within the MySQL server. So you can access the Sphinx engine from within the MySQL servers. You don't have to use the native uh, uh, C or, or whatever calls to Sphinx. You can use it through the MySQL engine, which means that it's easier to combine the results of Sphinx and My MySQL. <coughs> uh, another thing is the segment in my ISM key cache, uh, which basically allows better concurrency. Uh, my ISM tables have a, have a joint key cache for every single uh, index of of every table is stored, which doesn't work too well when you have a lot of concurrent users because, well, they all have to use the same key cache, so you run into concurrency issues. And by segment, segmenting it up, you can uh, have a lot better, concur better concurrency. I have a benchmark image that Jamie will show you. To give you a bit of, a, of an idea, so again, if you run with, uh, here's one benchmark, uh, and if you see at the number of threads growing, you see the benefit of, of running segmented key cache. So this is basically, here you have the threads, and here's how many queries you can do per second. If you don't have a segmented key cache, you basically max out around 5,000 queries per second with my eyes on. If you have a segmented key cache, you go up to 20,000. And this, well, that depends on what type of benchmark you run, but this is about the worst performance gain in the benchmarks. And that was MariaDB 5.2. But the big release for MariaDB is MariaDB 5.3, which went GA in December, so not so long ago. And this has a lot of new features. Again, it's built on MariaDB 5.2, so it's built on MariaDB 5.1, which is built on MySQL 5.1. So we're still on MySQL 5.1. Uh, it has quite a few features. Uh, something called Handler Socket, which basically gives you a... a kind of a no SQL or no SQL interface to InnoDB engine. Uh, so you can directly access the InnoDB engine without passing through the uh, SQL layer or the or even the optimizer layer, just send a simple crude operator. So uh, crude is, what is it? Create, read, update, delete, something like that. Create, read, update, delete. So you can do direct operations on the data without passing through the optimizer. So this is very useful if you do simple kind of batch type of operations. Basically, things where you normally wouldn't use a, a SQL engine, you would use some kind of no no SQL stuff like MongoDB or something. So you can kind of get similar stuff with with uh, InnoDB. Uh, then they added something called dynamic columns, which is again kind of a no SQL feature because uh, it does stuff that you're not supposed to do with SQL. So basically, it allows you to create create uh, uh, columns with dynamic content. So uh, this, basically, you store stuff in a blob, and you just have some functions for treating what's in the blob. So basically, uh, this is useful for some type of data warehouse or, or something where you, you sell products. Uh, and well, depending on what type of product it is, it has different attributes. And you don't want to have different tables because, okay, you have all your phones here, you have all your memory in that table, you have everything there. So you can store all your products in this one table, and you just store the attributes in this dynamic column. And I have an example for you, so you, you get the idea of what we're doing here. If you can see anything. Well, not the red stuff. Is there a way to turn off the light here? <clears throat> so, 
basically what we do here is we uh, we have a blob column, column here, and then we use a, a column create function, and we just give an index, which means uh, which attribute is. There must be a switch somewhere. <laughs> I'll check down here. That door. <laughs> Sorry for the inconvenience. <coughs> I guess not. Uh, yeah. So there's a column create function, uh, and you just basically give uh, uh, you give an index to the attribute you want to have, and then you give a value to the attribute. Attribute. So here, of course, as as, as the guy programming this, you have to uh, keep track of okay, which which uh, index corresponds to which type of attribute. So for example. Uh, one here corresponds to the, uh, the color. We have one is blue, here one is black, here one is black, and so forth. And we have other other things like that. And we can store any number of attributes. So one product could have one attribute, another product could have five, and a third could have seven, and so forth. And then uh, we can use this column list function to basically uh, uh, get this data back out. So, for example, here I just had a list of all the attributes for each for each product. So, for example, the Nokia is a phone. It has attributes one and two. One being color, and two was something else. Touch screen says two and two means something else, and so forth. You get the list of the attributes for each product, and we can also do searches of these products. So, for example. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you can see it up there, but we're looking for all products that have attribute 1 as black. So basically we're doing a normal search. We just want everything that's black. And we get a few phones, and we get, a, we get an IBM ThinkPad, and whatnot. We get all products that have black, and so forth. Here we do uh, a different thing. We're just looking at okay, what color are these things, and so forth. So, Again, it's feature that's fairly useful for different things. Uh, then MariaDB also added a lot of replication enhancement. Who here has used MySQL replication? No one. Okay, then you probably don't care about this. <laughs> uh, basically, it's yeah. It's if you're using MySQL replication. Of, well, some things are better, but I'm going to skip this if you don't care. There's a user feedback plugin, uh, which means that uh, uh, we can, uh, MySQL can, uh, or MariaDB can uh, get data sent to you so they can log what people are doing with the server. Okay, not what type of statements, but just where they are and what version they're using and stuff to better get an idea of what is being used out there. And this is my favorite feature, actually. They added a progress report for alter table. It's a very simple feature to code, but or it was a very, very simple feature to code. But before this, if you did an alter table on MySQL, you do alter table, do use some change, press enter, and then you wait. And after ten minutes, you're like, hmm, it's been ten minutes. I mean, I guess it's gonna be done soon. Then you wait some more, and it's been half an hour. You're like. Well, I can't stop it now. It's going to be done really soon now. And then, then it does an hour, and you're like, oh, it's been an hour. I mean, if I kill it now, I don't have to redo the hour. And thank you, whoever did that. And so forth. Thanks. So it's a very simple feature, but it, a lot of DBAs complain about this. They do an alter table, and then they're like, I don't know how long it's going to take. Should I just kill it, or should I wait, or what should I do? Now you know, there's a progress, progress bar. You get, when you do the alter table, you actually get a progress bar. And if you do a show process list in the server, you get a progress bar as well. So the guy doing it gets a progress report, and everyone else can get a, well, everyone, the DBAs can get a progress report as well. 
So you know, okay, should I kill this or should I just let it run? Is it close to being done or not? And this is my favorite feature. Uh, there's a lot of optimizer enhancements. Um, um, MySQL added subqueries in version 4.1, so somewhere around 2004 or 3 or something. And that, this is great. We could There was a checkbox. Do you have subqueries? We could click it and say yes. Um, the bad thing was that they sucked. Uh, it was a common, common knowledge that MySQL has subqueries, but please never use them because they're really slow. But we still had them. But so the bad thing with this is that, well, the good thing is that everyone learned that you, if you want performance, you shouldn't use subqueries. And in most cases, you can do workarounds. You can use joins or you can do other things instead of subqueries. The bad thing is that there's a lot of, again, a lot of people using middle layers, application layers, where where the SQL is created by the middle layer. And there they use subqueries and, and you can't control it because you're using this application layer and, and you have to use it. And they had really bad performance because, well, subqueries weren't performing well. Well, MariaDB, because they hired all the, all the optimizer team, it was easy for them, but MariaDB fixed this. So subqueries work a lot faster. Uh, just pressing this on. Basically, subqueries are usable now. They weren't before. Uh, there's a lot of optimizations there, but mainly what they do is if a subquery can be rewritten to a join, the optimizer will actually do it. Previously, the optimizer didn't even try. It was like, okay, a subquery, let's assume it's a dependent, correlated, and do worst case scenario, it will be always work. So the subqueries were always done in the slowest possible way before. Not anymore. And some other, they're doing materialization and stuff like that. Uh, traditionally, MySQL only had one type of join. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can join tables when you do a join in a, in a database. Uh, kind of the simplest is the one MySQL used. It's called a nested loop join. And it's basically like for loops, nested for loops. You have a for loop for the first table, for loop for the second, third, and so forth. And that's what you do. You take the first row of the first, first to the second, first to the third, and blah, blah, blah. And this is great in many cases. But in some cases it sucks, and well, if you only have this, you only have this, and if it sucks, it sucks, and you you can't do anything. Uh, most database systems, other database systems, commercial database systems have multiple join algorithms, and this is something that was now added to MariaDB. Uh, I guess the main main difference is like the hash joins is. Uh, uh, well, it has to do with indexing and the batch key. Well, batch key access actually is easy to understand. Instead of doing it a for loop, one row per per row, you do a batch. So you do a batch of the first table, and then you do a batch of the second table, and so forth. Uh, depending on your memory structures and messaging, and this can be a lot faster in some cases. Uh, as an example, there's an end, there's MySQL cluster is a product where where the data is stored on the network uh, uh, on different nodes. And there, when you use nested loop joins, it means that every time you want a row, you have to send a network message. All right, I want this row, send it back. Okay, then next step, then next step. So the latency will kill you. If you do a nested loop join, it means that for every single row combination, you have to send N messages on the net. So normally with MySQL cluster, if you have joins with more than two tables, you should go for a coffee break while you're doing the join. Well, with Batch key access, you don't have to do this anymore because you can actually get in one send, you can send hundreds of rows. So you have like a batch, you say, uh, one kilobyte or one 500 kilobytes of rows in one go instead of having to sequentially send every single row and wait for the la network latency. So that's great. And some other optimizations. Uh, I'm not going to go into this. However, Another, another thing is that there's now an optimizer control, so you can control which of these optimizations are on and off for your queries. So you can say, well, I want to use the old way and I don't want to try these new things, and you can control it with this optimizer switch. And then perhaps the biggest or best uh, uh, feature of MariaDB 5.3 is something called group commit. Uh, and in order to explain group commit, I have to explain a bit about uh, how the server works. Uh, so basically, uh, on the server, 
uh, this is in InnoDB or ExtraDB, the transactional engines with something like MyISM, you don't care about group commit because nothing is, is crash safe anyway. So you don't have to worry about being crash safe. However, InnoDB and ExtraDB, uh, they're supposed to be ACID compliant, which means that their transactions are durable. If the system crashes and you restart, everything that's been committed is committed, right? You can't lose anything. That's what crash safe means. Uh, the problem is, of course, in general, disk I.O. is very slow. So what you don't want to do is commit every time you do a change, you, have, you don't want to write this change onto the disk because it's going to be very, very slow. So instead, what you do is you have a buffer pool. All your, all your data blocks, index blocks and stuff are in this buffer pool. You do changes to them. Well, instead of, uh, well, when you do the changes, you have something called a log buffer where you log these changes as operations, not the actual changes. When you're done, you have to you commit your transaction. You don't write the data pages to the disk, which which are large. You just write this this uh, log to disk. So you have a log of the changes where you just say whatever update or something, and you write that to the disk because that's small. So when you commit uh, when you commit a transaction, you have to sync your redo log to disk to make sure that this change is now written somewhere. So in case the system crashes, I can get this state back somehow. And what happens when your system restarts is that, well, it looks at the data on disk and looks at start going through the read log. Okay, which of the which of the transactions in the read log have been applied on this disk state and which haven't? So that's basically what it does. That's the crash recovery. It goes through the read log and applies the changes to the disk. All right, so when you commit, you have to sync you do an, you do an f sync your read log is now flushed to di uh, sync to disk and you're safe uh, there's a few problems with this one is during concurrency you have hundreds of transactions or thousands of transactions uh, every single transaction commits at the same time well you can't do f syncs at the same time so you do this sequentially in a queue and you f sync one transaction then the second the third and so forth Again, if you have lost transactions, this is not a good thing to do. So what you try to do instead is you group your transactions together and do a group commit. So you f-sync all of them at the same time instead of doing it in sequence. And that's the basic idea of group commit, and that you do get in the newest version of MySQL, you get this. However, what MariaDB added is uh, something else. MySQL also has something called a binary log. Who knows what a binary log is? No one. Excellent. <laughs> so, so the read log is specific to the InnoDB engine. Okay? So it's only transactions in this engine. Then there's something called a binary log, which is the whole MySQL server. And why is this important? It's because this is uh, basically an incremental backup of your system. Uh, so when you do changes, all the changes are stored in this binary log. And this is also used for replication. If you have replicating MySQL servers, they will use the binary log to replicate stuff. Uh, so the problem now is, well, when you do a commit, you not only have to sync your read logs, you have to sync your binary log as well, because you have, they have to match when you crash. Uh, when, well, when you crash, when you restart, they have to match. You can't have a transaction that's written to this here, but not here, because then your incremental backup, well, it's useless because it's some uh, transactions are missing. Transactions are missing from it, and so forth. So you have to make sure that these are synced together. And this is actually done through three f-syncs. So first, you do a prepare on the on the read log uh, files. Then you f-sync the binary log, and then you f-sync the uh, then you do the final commit on the read log. So you have to do three f-syncs for every transaction. Again, if your load is 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 if you have a lot of concurrency, your system will fairly soon become uh, I.O. bound because of this. And this is the great feature of MariaDB. They actually made a group commit that has the binary log included in it. So, I mean, any system where you want to have a backup, you will need to use the binary log in MySQL. So anyone using backups will also have the binary log, which means that they will need this group commit feature. Well, they will need this group commit feature if uh, they're their load is IO bound. And this is the great thing. So we have group commit where the commits on the binary log are grouped together. And it's dynamic, you don't have to turn it on. Basically, if you have one commit and then there's more than two in the queue, they will be grouped together. 
So as soon as you have more than three commits at the same time, you will use the group commit feature. Uh, and I have a I have a ben another benchmark here, and this is uh, this benchmark is really cool because it's actually not done by MariaDB or anyone promoting this. This is actually done by Facebook because they also needed like a group commit because they were had an IO bound uh, load, so they decided to code a, a, a group commit feature. So they coded it. It was okay, but it wasn't very good compared to MariaDB. So they created a new version of it, and this is. Uh, the benchmark with original MySQL, the second version of the Facebook patch, and MariaDB. So here you see as your concurrent transactions uh, grow, how many commits can you do per second? Basically, standard MySQL maxes out around 5,000 commits per second. You can't do more than that because, well, you're IO bound and, and you can't do more than that. It, of course, it depends on your disks, but, but this is on a fast disk. Furthermore, look at MariaDB, well, you go up to almost 28,000 commits per second, which is huge. Facebook gets to uh, uh, around 18,000 uh, commits per second. And actually, after doing this, uh, this benchmark, Facebook uh, officially decided to stop this project because the MariaDB patch was so much better, so they, they're not doing it anymore. But you can, actually, this you can find on the internet you, you, if you Google group commit Facebook MariaDB, you will find this article on, on Facebook pages. It's done by Mark Callaghan, who is the MySQL guru at Facebook, who actually used to work for Google. So he was the MySQL guru at Google, and now he's the MySQL guru at Facebook. And this is one of the best features of MySQL 5, uh, MariaDB 5.3. Uh, well, while MariaDB team was having fun creating new versions based on MySQL 5.1, Oracle actually produced a new version called MySQL 5.5. Uh, and the MariaDB team were like, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just merge our MariaDB versions into this new Oracle versions, version. Turns out it wasn't that easy. Uh, <laughs> because MariaDB had been adding so many features, all the features you saw until now, putting them back into MySQL 5.5, which has had some, of, some features that were similar, and they had to kind of make sure that uh, they didn't uh, do the same thing twice or they didn't uh, overlap and so forth, took a long time. Uh, MariaDB originally promised to be to be released, MariaDB 5.5 was promised to be released in April 2011. Uh, it was released two weeks ago, the first alpha version. Uh, but so basically, what is MariaDB 5.5? It's MySQL 5.5, so the newest version of MySQL plus all the features from up to MariaDB 5.3. So they've taken all the new features, merged them into MySQL 5.5, and well, they had to do a lot of work because of the, the, the conflict, but they managed to finally do it. And this was what it was supposed to be, but at the same time, they couldn't help themselves but adding a few more features. So there's a few more features here. Uh, and this also has to do with the fact that uh, in MySQL 5.5, there's now the community version and the enterprise version differ. So this is when Oracle added these commercial extensions that you can only get if you're a paying customer. And the MariaDB team, they decided that, well, we cannot have Oracle giving commercial extensions that, that there are no open source alternatives to. So they wanted to actually code the same thing in, in, uh, in MariaDB. And one of the extensions, I think there's only two extensions uh, out there, but one of the extensions was uh, a thread pool, and it turns out the Oracle thread pool was better than the one MariaDB had implemented previously. And the MariaDB guys were furious because this is not good. So they had to recode their, their thread pool, and that's what they did. So the thread pool added in 5.1 is now removed, and, and they added a new thread pool in 5.5. The big difference is that it's dynamic. The previous thread pool was not. You had a fixed set of, of threads. Here it's dynamic. And it's also optimized differently for the different operating systems, and you can tune it quite well on Linux machines and so forth. So again, this should be ex on Linux. This is pretty much the same as the one Oracle did on Windows. No, they used uh, maybe they used something else. I don't. Remember. And then, then there are some more features. Uh, one interesting feature is My MySQL has. Uh, I put this here because it's actually quite quite cool. MySQL have have this feature called limit, so you can. When you do any type of select statement, you can add a limit clause, and it limits the output to a certain amount of rows. You say select, huge select, limit 10, and you will only get 10 rows in your output. And that's cool. 
uh, the bad thing is that if you have a 407 table join, it will actually do the join before it, it limits your 10 rows to the output. So it might last forever. And now they extended this limit with rows examined. So you you put a max number of how many rows should be examined. So for example, here I'm doing a Cartesian product between two tables, which means I take the n times n. So if I have 1 million rows and 1 million rows, this Cartesian product will actually create, what is that? A thousand, a trillion, I don't know. One million times a million, it's something weird. 12 trillion, well, whatever. It's a lot of rows, anyway. But if I had this rows examined a thousand, it will stop once it's done a thousand first rows. So that's a silly feature, but it's cool. And MariaDB 5 also the alpha, or I think it's beta version is out now, and it's supposed to be GA fairly soon. I mean, there's not a lot of features. It's mostly the old features, so it should it should stabilize earlier than, than the others, than the previous version of MariaDB. Then for the future, MariaDB 5.6. Uh, well, all of this is, of course, guesswork because they're not working on it yet. They're waiting for, for 5.5 to stabilize before. But here are some of the features that they're thinking of adding. Uh, and you can actually vote for features. Uh, so we work together with Maria, with Monty program. So we have a, a, a vote where you can, there's a few potential features listed and you can go and vote. Okay, I want this feature. I'm great. And that will go to Monty program. All right. We're running out of time. So is Maria, MariaDB a branch or a fork? Uh, with MySQL 5.1, it's fairly simple. MySQL, so Oracle has MySQL now. The community edition, in 4.5.1, the community edition equals the enterprise edition, and MariaDB follows, follows these without a problem. So it's definitely a branch. Same thing for MariaDB 5.2 and 5.3, because they're based on, on, on MySQL 5.1. With MySQL 5.5, it gets a bit hairier. Why? Well, because the community edition and the enterprise edition is no longer the same because they added these commercial extensions. And because MariaDB, of course, had a, a feature fest in the previous version, they had to backport all these features. But they did manage to merge MySQL 5.5 and MariaDB 5.5 together. So it is still just a branch. It's still merging back to when there's a new version of, of, of MySQL 5.5, the community edition. Uh, MariaDB will merge into that version and there will be a new version of MariaDB. So it's still only a branch. However, for 5.6, who knows? It depends on what Oracle does. The more commercial Oracle goes, the closer MariaDB comes to being a, a real fork and not, no longer a branch. But at the moment, it's a branch, meaning that it merges back into the main tree. A fork no longer merges back. That's a big difference. And also, fork is made of metal, and, and this is tree, wood. <laughs> all right, so now all of you want to get MariaDB, right, after this? Who wants to get MariaDB now? Oh, that's great. So how can you get it? Well, there's MariaDB.org. That's uh, uh, the main site. You can download stuff. You can also look at documentation to have a knowledge base uh, and so forth. You can also get it from the OpenSUSE build servers. So if you're using OpenSUSE, well, they have packages ready-made for you and a few others. And Monty Program have their own uh, uh, YAML app repos available. So you can get it. If you add uh, their uh, repos to your uh, distribution, you can actually use YAML app get to get them. What is MP? What? What is MP? Uh, Monty Program, sorry. It's a company behind it. And what about support and services? Well, Monty Program, they do what they call NRE, which is non-recurrent engineering. So if a customer comes and says, well, we want to have this feature in, in MariaDB, Monty Program will say, okay, great. We'll put it on the on the list of features and we'll get to it eventually. The customer says, no, no, I really want this feature. I say, all right, how much are you paying? And then if they pay, well, they will put this feature sooner. And that's basically what they do. Uh, Monty Program is a company with only developers, so they don't really do anything else than develop. The problem is that their product is free, right? It's GPL. No one pays them anything, so they don't earn any money. And that's where uh, kind of we come in, SkySQL. We do services. Uh, 
uh, we do support training and, and consulting. And basically, every time we sell a support contract, uh, a part of what the price goes to Monty Program because they are uh, kind of the back end support. So we do a level one and level two, and they do all the bug fixing. So if there's a bug, if one of our customers finds a bug, well, well they find they have a problem. Our support engineers try to try to well look at the problem and say, well, this is a bug. We send it to Monty Program. Monty Program delivers a patch. And of course, this works with MongoDB, but also with standard MySQL because they know MySQL pretty well. Strange enough. Uh, and of course, there are others providing MariaDB service. We're not the only ones. Uh, I don't know what contracts the others have, but there's a list at MariaDB org service providers. But basically, if you buy stuff from us, remember the money. Part of the money goes to MariaDB. That's how they earn a living because they don't get that much uh, NRE. And if you want more information, you can go to these things. There's a mail there are mailing lists on Launchpad, and of course the source code is on Launchpad. There's a Maria uh, channel on Freenode. Uh, that's basically how they communicate. Uh, at Skyscale, we use Skype, and we have our we have an IRC channel, but it's internal, closed. Uh, these guys use Freenode's IRC channel as their only means of communication, well, and email. But so you will have them discuss features and development stuff on this free node. You can just, anyone can log in and see what they're talking about. You might not always understand it because, you know, like me, they're not native English speakers. They're Russian and stuff. So sometimes you don't have a clue what they're talking about. <laughs> anyway. And there's actually a MariaDB book, a MariaDB crash course, uh, which you can get from Amazon or wherever if you're interested. That's it. Yes. Wondering about the MariaDB source code, how big it is, and what languages it's in. So uh, it's fairly big because it's—I mean, it's—it's it's MySQL plus the extra features. So it's—I uh, can't say how big it is, but it's, it's big, hundreds of megabytes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, it's written in C plus. Well, C plus. It's basically written in C plus plus, but it's kind of procedural. So. It's just it uses the um, like features of C++, but it's not really yeah, it's not really object oriented in the real way. Any other questions? Uh, MySQL has a really nice tool called MySQL Workbench. Mm -hmm. Is it backwards compatible with MariaDB? Uh, so Workbench is works. Yeah, it's compatible with MariaDB, and yeah, <laughs> it's compatible with MariaDB. Uh, it's like a, a uh, like a design, what do you call it? They call it a AAD tool, entity, whatever. It's a design tool. You can design tables and stuff, and but it communicates through SQL, so it it works fine with both. But yeah. For the dynamic, dynamic. Uh, one thing about this nice about like NoSQL is mm -hmm. embedded objects. Mm -hmm. Does the dynamic uh, columns have embedded objects of some kind? No, so you can you can you can just embed data, but not uh, more complicated structures. So you can embed uh, characters or, or integers or stuff like that, but you can't. I mean, I guess in theory you could have multiple, but I mean it's not an object now. Okay. All right, but if you have more comment, uh, questions, we'll be we have a booth up here, so you can come and ask uh, questions at the booth. We'll be there. Thank you. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.